Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock. Excited to have with me today, Maria Dunlap. So, yay! Welcome. Thank you. Just like the gray box. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we're trying to get the camera, the camera issues resolved, but so we're going to have, we're not going to have Maria's smiling face, but, you know, but we're going to have, she's going to send me some still shots and we'll get those. Yeah, books. absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So we met down at um, TEDx Cincinnati and uh, just kind of, yeah, headed off and started talking and you told me about your beautiful mission and the work you're doing. So yeah, tell the audience about it. Yeah. So first of all, Terry, thanks so much for um, having me today. This is really exciting to be able to share Vivian's victory with a new audience and hopefully be able to um, just be a resource and bring some hope to some of your listeners. Um, but I founded Vivian's Victory, which is a nonprofit, and our whole mission is to bring hope, build communities, and bridge gaps for families when they have a child that is facing a chronic illness. Um, and we've been around since 2014. We primarily are working in Cincinnati with families that come to Children's Hospital um, in Cincinnati. We're not affiliated with the hospital, um, but we meet most of our families because of their child's diagnosis and, and them coming here uh, to receive care for their child. And we're able to do that on a lot of different ways. For every family, it's different. It could be just being an emotional support for them, to be present for them, to build that community. It could be, you know, helping them with a gas card so they're able to be physically present for their child or helping them with their rent or keeping their lights on um, so that they're able to be discharged from the hospital and go home and pretty much everything in between there. And since 2014, we've impacted just over 2,000 families. Um, wow. Really exciting. And also, I think a huge testament to what a need there is for what we're doing. So, right. Absolutely. Is there an application process then that people go through? There is. So, there's two ways that we meet our families. We have an application that's online, and that's where families are able to request um, specific assistance. So, it could be, you know, the gas card, a hotel stay, it could be their utility bill paid, their rent paid, whatever that specific financial need is. That's how we would meet families is through the application, which is found on our website, vivianzectory.org. Um, or we also meet families through our programming in the hospital, which is really innovative in an approach that we're taking that goes under the whole building community aspect is being present for families where they're at, meeting them where they're at, which having a child in the hospital can become very isolating because people don't know how to handle that. People don't know what to say. Um, they don't know how to react themselves. And so a common response is just not to do anything. And so families are alone. They're scared. They're broken. They're confused. And we're able to go in and lift them up through different activities, um, just being a one-on-one -on -one peer support for them, um, being able to, um, you know, do sibling parties for holidays or just oh. fun days through the year, just whatever that is to allow the families to know that they aren't alone. Yeah. So. My son, John, my oldest, um, who's 25 now and doing great and has no health issues, but he was in children's for 10 days when he was two months old, he couldn't breathe. Um, and so, and they couldn't figure out that it, and they ended up calling it an echo virus. They thought it was pertussis, whooping cough. Um, but all the cultures came back negative, but it was 
it was truly terrifying and I never left his side. And, you know, people would say, oh, you need to go home. You need to rest. You need to take care of yourself. You need to shower. You need to, you know, and I was like, (laughs) I always thought I don't want him to open his eyes and not see his mom here. I'm going to get choked up Uh about it. And so uh, it was, it was so overwhelming as a parent. And that was just 10 days. I can't even imagine what you and other families have gone through, you know, but, but just again, you know, when that doctor came in and I said, you know, could he die from this? And he said, oh yeah. And I just remember like, a, like, oh my God. Like, hey, you're like, I can't breathe now. Like, right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. what are we going to do? Yeah, no, it's, it's really scary. And it's, um, it's an incredible roller coaster that you're on. And, um, like for us, we were in the hospital for 59 days with Vivian and we prenatally knew that, that right. she had a heart defect. And so we knew going into her birth that we would be in the hospital. Um, but we didn't anticipate all of the complications that she had. So, you know, it's just this roller coaster, like every day and being like, oh my gosh. And, and that not wanting your child to not have you present for them is the worst, worst thing. I, I remember we had a resident that would come in all the time and God love him. You know, he, he was trying to be so supportive and he would tell me all the time, Maria, you need to go out. You need to go, you know, get your nails done. You need to go home and take a nap. You need to go, you know, you need to just get out of here. And I finally one day I looked at him and I was like, dude, this isn't your kid. Right. Like when your kid is in this position and you're in this position, then you come talk to me about leaving because I can't do that. If I was at home with my child and I was going to go do one of these things, I would have someone I know I love and I trust to come watch her. Right. If I'm not going to be here, someone else does need to be here and it doesn't need to be you or one of the nurses that is, you know, doing the best job she can, but she also has six to 10 kids on her caseload that day. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to be sitting in here being present, which is my job. Right. (laughs) But that's a real struggle for so many people. So many families that that's not a reality for them to be able to be present for their child. Because what, what we do as a society, especially in this medical realm, is we say the best care for your child is hundreds of miles away from your home. And so what we're going to, and not even that, I mean, it can even be local, but, but we right. see a lot of families that come in from, from all over and they literally leave everything. Yes. And come here and are with their child. And then what the hospital says is, Hey, we're going to take care of your child. And the family's like, what are we going to do about our house? And they're like, sorry, (laughs) we, we, we can't help you there. You know, like our responsibility is care for the child. So that's wonderful and great. But then we're putting families in a position where it's you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, you know, like you want to be there for your child and be present for them and love them and support them and nurture them because that's what you want to do as a parent. But on the flip side, in doing that, you're putting the rest of your life in jeopardy. You might lose your job. You might lose your house. So you're in this limbo, like this fork in the road of like, what am I, what am I going to choose? Right. Yeah. And nobody should have to choose that. That is it's such a, such a great point. And it made me remember that, on our last days there, we were in a private room, but then once they realized, you know, John was, he was in recovery mode and doing better and breathing better and oxygen levels were up and they put us in a room with another baby. And for 
the two days, no one came in, no oh, one gosh. to check on that baby. And the baby was crying and I peeked my head out and said to the nurse, you know, can I pick this baby up? Can I hold this baby? Do you want me to give it a bottle? Like, what do you, what can I do? Like it was breaking my heart. And they said, no, we're just really swamped. We'll be, we'll be in in just a second. And then the nurse did come in and, you know, fed the baby and what have you. And she, she's, I said, no one's been here. And she said, well, you know, I'm not supposed to say anything, but they have like six other kids at home. They can't. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, like, I was like, I can't even imagine making that decision as a parent. Like, oh, oh my Lordy. Yeah. No, me either. And, and, you know, Terry, you and I both um, were in the same position that it was our first child. Right. And so, you know, we, we didn't, we weren't in that position to have to choose. And now, you know, I'm, I'm currently pregnant with our seventh. Um, and I think, oh my gosh, if I was in the position with all of my kids and I had one in the hospital, like, I know I, I had to take my son, God love him, on Christmas morning to the ER because his drum set that Santa brought was not set up properly. And so he took a symbol to the face, God love him. Oh. <laughs> so we had to go and get stitches. But just even thinking, like, I knew I was going to go home. Right. You know, after, after we got this taken care of. But I still knew that like all of my kids were at home and they wanted me to be there with them. And, and, you know, but I knew I was going to go home, but I think, oh my gosh, like if we were there for a prolonged period of time or, you know, having, you know, the desire of a mother's heart is to be present for that child that needs you the most. But then you're like, all of my kids need me and I can't bilocate or multiply myself. And so, you know, then we get into this whole another, like, it's like this, this onion that you just kind of start on, on, you know, peeling is, you know, that the child is in the center and then the parents and then it's the family and, and then everybody starts just, it's this ripple effect of, you know, mom's trying to be with mom and dad are trying to be with the baby and, or the child and there's other kids at home and mom and dad are then feeling bad because they aren't with the other kids at home and siblings are resenting mom and dad because they're with the other sibling. It's just whole just ripple effect of, I look at people that have a child in the hospital and kids at home, like you guys are the real MVPs because I don't know how you're doing this. Right. Being able to be a support though is you know the least that we can do to try to alleviate some of well, that burden I, that I was, they have. I was just going to say the work that you're doing is so beautiful on that level because you know even the slightest bit of hope that you can offer these families and offer these parents and you know the siblings and extended family just is doing just a incredible world of good to their hearts um and for their lives um so yeah so thank you for what you're doing oh absolutely Um, it's an honor it really it really is a huge honor because people don't have to let us in right and so when families you know we're complete strangers and when you know but there's a you know with any any experience that you have there's a, a bond that kind of changes you. There's a bond instantly um, that people have. And I always kind of joke, cause I don't take it lightly at all that families allow us into this journey with them. Cause it's a very scary, you know, just dark peaks and valleys of a place for a lot of people. But I always joke that I have street cred because my, my child died. Like right. 
people, people will call me all the time and say, I don't want to talk to my doctor or nurse or social worker. I want to talk to somebody who's actually lived this, which is a huge responsibility for us too, because it's, you know, defining, like having that fine line of being support and, and people taking the things that come out of our mouth infallible too. You know? you know, and so true. It's that, it's like a trauma warrior badge, I think. Yes. Um, you know, I certainly have my trauma warrior badge for different reasons. Um, and, and, you know, and it's, it, and it is one of those things like, you know, you can flash the badge, like, you know, I get you, I get it. Exactly. Yeah. That's a hundred percent it. And it's also, I think, helping people understand, um, when I was in the hospital with Viv, there was one person that I didn't know very well, but again, it's that trauma warrior badge. She had t- conjoined twins that lived for 43 minutes after they were born and then they died. She was the only person that could have called me and said to me, I know exactly how you're feeling. I'm so sorry. And yet she called me and she said, I am so sorry that Viv died. I can empathize with you, but I have no idea what you're going through right now. Right. And I just want you to know I'm here for you. And you know, I love you. And that impacted me so greatly because it made me realize in a, in a new way, like we don't under like this journey while it's similar, each person yes. is so different. And that's in everything in our life is every experience that we have is so different, even though it could be similar Yeah, um, and having that empathy is the most important, not wanting to fix anyone not wanting to tell them that you have the answers, not wanting to say, I know exactly how you're feeling, but allowing them to know, like, I've been there and I don't understand how you're feeling because it's your journey, but I'm here to accompany you as you're figuring it out. Yeah. Like that was just the most impactful thing. And it's something that has you know, resonated with me as, as we meet these families. And I think there's a lot of freedom in allowing people to know that you're able to experience this and feel this, how you're feeling it. Your way. Right. Your way. Right. And I, I talk to that to people about honoring one another's journey because in one another's story, Mm -hmm. we don't know anyone's past, you know, what other trauma they've experienced. What we just don't know. We don't know the history. We don't know what's involved there. And, but yeah, what she did was she just honored your story, your individual story. Um, and if we can start to learn to do that as a society, I think it oh, absolutely. Would be such a more beautiful world. <laughs> yes. yes but I think too, to that point, like, so I am just freakishly obsessed with, um, the story of the orca whales pod. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. So it's like hysterical because I have this totally irrational phobia of orca whales, but I was totally just captivated by the story of this mom orca whale that had her baby and it died, you know, 40 minutes after it was born and she carries it on her nose for 17 days and is at risk for her life, how she's grieving. But then what happens is, is, you know, all these mother orca whales and her mom pod come and, and help her. They, you know, swim under her. They feed her like they're young. They take turns holding the baby so that mom's able to grieve, but mom's also safe and taken care of. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think about that all the time because 
it impacted me so deeply because for me, it, t- it told me two things. First of all, that grief is primal and somewhere, somehow in <laughs> the history of human nature, we have told ourselves that it's not okay to grieve. Right. And it's not okay to have the feelings that you feel and it's not okay to react on your grief. But secondly, that this whole concept of community is primal as well, because these, these animals were rallying around this mom to be able to help her grieve. And so it's so intriguing to me that it's, it's part of us. It's part of, you know, if it's a natural instinct in orga whales, it's a natural instinct in us that somehow somewhere we've told to shut up. (laughs) That's that's not helping us. It's actually hurting us because if we aren't able to grieve, I mean, to your point, like what a better world it would be if, if people were able to grieve and grieve well, because there's so much joy and hope that can come on the flip side of feeling something so deeply that, really has the the opportunity to change you one way or the other. Yeah. You have a good support and you have the ability to feel. I believe that there is only good things that can happen um, through that, but we don't allow people to go through that. And so that gets stifled. And so what a better world it would be if we were able to unlock those primal instincts of grief and community um and and have that kind of relay through our humanness and the the human suffering that we go through yes and and beautiful two things popped in my head was one to be able to know that you can crumble but that there are people there to catch you or people there to lift you back up i mean that that is that's what it's all about no matter yeah if it's grief whatever it is to be able to know that you have that support system in place. And the other thing is, I just find it interesting that when you, when you first said Orca, um, like I, I touched my heart and I was just, because the first thing that popped in my head was that story of that mother with, because I was captivated by it as well. Every day I was watching it and just like my heart was just so attached to hers. Like I wanted to help her. Right. Right. Um, I actually went into my, I was, um, I just found out I was pregnant and I went into um, our room and my husband was sleeping and like, I, I hit him and I was like, I got to go to Seattle. And he, oh. he's like, what? I was like, I have to go help. <laughs> I gotta go help this, this organ. He's like, you're delusional. You need to go to bed. <laughs> right. But you know, it's that, it was, it's that mother calling, right? right. Yeah, you connected right. with her, right? Yes. Yeah, which I think too is very, you know, it, which I think just goes to even more, um, just affirm the fact that 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 trauma warrior badge. I love that term. Is that it's so deep? Yeah, and, and the the way that it 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 changes you and, and leads you, um, you know, it just it comes out in, in a moment's, you know, just a moment's notice of you hear someone something that's experiencing the same. And it's like, I got to do something. I got to, I got to help. I got to do something. But I I do think too, that that response is able to happen. Um, you know, for me, cause I was so well supported and I know that was modeled for me of what to do. Um, 
And, you know, sometimes I think that it can, again, it can either build community or it can make you very inward focused too, because it's such a traumatizing moment um, as well. So, yeah. So are there any myths or facts that you want to clarify for, for people, you know, about the grief process or losing a child or, or any of any, any subject that you wish? Um, well, I think there's a couple things. Um, first and foremost is that there's no, there's no way to manage grief. Like there's no handbook on it. Right. <laughs> and, and I think the, the, the best encouragement I can give anyone is feel as it comes as long as it's, you know, in a healthy manner, but you know, like just feel things as they come to you because as you allow yourself to experience that emotion, it's like you're able to ride the wave and then it, it kind of passes. Um, and I really believe that that is so integral to being able to move not move on because you never move on or you never forget or you never, you know, put it behind you. It's always a part of you, but you're able to move forward in yes. a new way that, you know, grief is not something that you can like, you know, go under or go over or go around. You have to like right. just kind of barrel through it. And, um, you know, my, my husband and I, when we were in the hospital with Viv, um, it was during the summer Olympics and kind of an image I see in my mind all the time. I remember watching um, like the, the runners and I can't like the track and they jump over like the hurdle jumpers and stuff and how there are some people that it's like, they just run right through some of the hurdles. Like they're trying to jump over it. It's like their foot catches and it just tumbles down that, you know, it's, it's that for me, I just think about that in my head all the time is this image of grief is like, you know, we, because it's uncomfortable because it's, we feel vulnerable because it doesn't feel good because it means that we've lost something in a sense, um, you know, either, you know, very concretely in, in death or, you know, we studied for a test really hard and we didn't get the grade that we wanted. I mean, there's still a grief in that too. So I don't think, you know, it always has to be, we only focus it on these big, um, you know, moments in our life that is a very significant loss. Um, but it's like, you know, we're just running. I kind of think like you got to just almost like just barrel through them because if you try to get over them, you can catch your foot and then you end up falling anyway, or, you know, um, just thinking about just, just have to go through it, hit it head on and, and be okay with what that looks like. And, you know, it's so important in those moments to be able to have people around you that can support you in that and through that. And, and for us, for me, that is one of the saddest things for me to know um, that people don't have that. And, and for me, that is the daily just motivation for me and our mission is that I don't ever want someone to lose their child or be, you know, just wondering what if and living in this roller coaster of is my child going to live, is my child going to die? But I can't take that away from people. Right. But what I can do is I can let you know that I'm here for you. And that is just the most important thing. So, you know, for anyone who's listening or if you know someone, like, you know, there's two things. You know, first of all, Vivian's Victor is here for you. If if you're going through anything, um, you know, we are here for you. That is our whole mission. That is the most important aspect of what we do is being present and letting you know that you're not doing this by yourself. And secondly is to encourage the 
to encourage listeners, to encourage people that you have the ability to be that community for someone else. And it doesn't always feel good and it feels awkward. And, and I tell you, like, it's the most passionate part of my being is to be there for people. And I still don't know what to say when I'm around people because everybody's so different. But one of the things that Viv taught me was you just show up, you just show up and you might say something, you want to put your foot in your mouth, but people, when they're grieving, they're so vulnerable that a lot of times, like they're going to be more honest than, than, than when they're not grieving. So, so whatever their natural response to you saying something stupid, it's going to be amplified. So it's like, right. if, right. they, if they don't like what you say, like they'll snap at you or they'll give you the massive silent treatment or they won't, you know, so I, I, so it's like, you have to kind of put on like thick skin a little bit, I think to be supportive of people, but just show up and just be there and be honest with the other person. It's a really special moment of um, just vulnerability of you yourself as wanting to support others to be vulnerable and say, Hey, I don't really know what to do, but I want to be here for you. Yeah. It gives the, the person receiving it the opportunity to be really vulnerable and say, I don't necessarily really know what I need, <laughs> but I appreciate you being here. Or, you know, I don't like what you're saying, or I do like what you're saying, or, you know, it's really um, a moment that, that there's potential for real bonding. And yeah. that I call it a soul connection. There's just, oh, 100%. Yeah, you, the soul connections happen sometimes just in the in the quiet. Um, I, I saw, how funny! I saw a meme on Facebook this morning, and it was, um, you know, like two little cute little elephants, you know, cartoon elephants, and one came up and said to the other one, "Are you okay?" And the other one said, "No," and the other one said, "Do you want to talk?" "No." "Is there anything I can do?" "No." And the other elephant said, okay, and just sat down next to the other elephant and they sure. just sat there smiling next to each other. And it and was again very powerful because it was just, you don't necessarily have to do anything. You just need to be there. You just need to be there. Yeah. That's it. Beautiful. Which is not just that's it, but that's exactly, right. exactly. Yeah. It's so meaningful. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the, the two things as far as, um, Another thing I wanted to say to you as, as you were talking was I, I had gone to a suicide vigil in Claremont County um, when I worked for Child Focus and um, a father of, of a young man who was in college who had who killed himself said something that has so stuck with me and it, I, when it came to grief um, and it, I just found it so powerful in that he said, he thinks of grief as a spiral staircase and that you keep coming back around to, you know, the anger, the, the, the disappointment, the disbelief, you know, all the feelings that come with grief, mm -hmm. but you continue to move upward and you move away from, but, it, but it's always there. It's always there. And, but you allow yourself that opportunity to keep coming around to it and keep coming around to it. It's just as you go up the spiral staircase, it, it, it becomes less intense. Yes. That's, that's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. yeah that is, this is exactly it. I mean, I, I remember um, not long after, well, no, I mean, it was, see, Viv would be seven this year. So um, it was probably a few years ago. I asked someone who her first child died. Um, and it was, I mean, she would have been 30 at that point or something, you know? And, yeah. and I just, I, I didn't even call her. I just texted her one day. I was just having a moment where it was like, Oh, you know, 
<laughs> just everything was so intense. And, and I, I just texted her. I was like, does it go away? Like, do I ever stop crying about this? And she texted me back. She goes, Maria, no. She's like, you always, she's like, it comes and goes and waves. I mean, that's a perfect example of that spiral staircase. But there are moments that like things just catch you off guard and, and, and you do have a very intense moment and that's, that's all part of it, you know, but. And that's those, okay. That's it's okay. okay. It's totally okay. And those moments become fewer and further in between because you're learning and grieving and growing and, and that's all part of it. That's all part of the, the whole process is, is you get to the point where you're not, you know, crying all day, every day is it, you know, it, it, it spaces itself out a little bit more and that intensity changes, which I think can sometimes make people feel guilty that they don't have the same intensity. We have a family that we worked with and the mom told us that it was two years after her son had died and she felt bad because she wasn't crying every day. And I told her, it's like, that's, that's not, there's no guilt there. You know, Oakley wouldn't want you to be crying every day. Right. You know, it, you know, it, it just changes. And the fact that you love him and the intensity of your mother's love and, and your desire to remember him has not changed. It's, it's grown differently. And that's all part of it. And that's totally okay. You know? yeah. and it's sometimes hard to, because there is no manual on how you go through this and do this. Yeah. Right. And you just said Oakley and I, I saw you have Viv's kids and yes. um, on your website in, in that name, I, I, I yes. loved reading all the little story and just seeing their, just seeing their faces and seeing the families and um, what a beautiful tribute and what a beautiful way again to honor their stories. Um, yeah. So thanks for that. Well, you know, it's so crazy because each one of them, you know, I, each one of them has impacted me so, yeah. so intensely and how, how we've evolved as an organization is because of each of these families. And so um, it's very, you know, and there's some that, that impact you more so than others, but um, you know, every single one of them has left a mark on, on me personally and has, you know, reinvigorated me to the commitment of our mission and um, you know, just really what steps we're taking to be the best resource for families um, because you know again what, what would have been helpful for me might not be helpful for someone else and vice versa and so we want to make sure that that we're definitely hitting the mark and making an impact for people where they are and, right. and what they're experiencing so and people can donate as well you're a nonprofit yes so we are a nonprofit we're a 501c3 nonprofit they absolutely can donate um, if they visit our website vivian6.org there's a donate button um, and um, you know, we always say time, talent, and treasure are the things that we need. So if you're in the Cincinnati area, we need volunteers all the time. Um, we're especially going to be ramping up our programming in the hospital in the next few weeks, which is really exciting. And the whole purpose is to be able to just be more present for the families and to let them know that we are a resource. And so we will need, you know, bodies to be able to make that happen. So if you are interested in that, there's a, on our website, there's a volunteer tab and you can, okay. um, fill out a form and, and we'll be in contact with you about doing that. Um, we have events throughout the year on our website. Again, there's an events calendar. Um, a few things coming up are um, we have a, a golf 
outing on June 22nd, and we're the charity partner with the Great Inflatable Race on July 27th. So we have a few things coming up in the next couple months. And, um, you know, in donating, of course, you know, we just love being able to have that involvement with people in our community. And even outside of our community, I mean, we've had families that have donated from all over the U.S. because we've impacted them while they were here in Cincinnati and they go back home and their families want to be involved. And so the best way for them to be involved is to be able to donate in some way. So it's a really, um, it's just really cool how it all, how we're all connected on some level and how we're able to be there for families and how they're able to help spread what we're doing. Right. People who need it. Yeah. Well, again, it's just beautiful. And you just had a, a ball, correct? We did. We had our, our, um, our annual fundraiser, our, our big, fundraisers a ball um it was on march 2nd it was at longworth hall in cincinnati um super fun event we had a, a live band that played and um just a great night of um you know sharing stories and um you know we had chris lay who worked for children's hospital come and speak um he did a fabulous job of really stating the need that there is um there's over thirty-two thousand children that are admitted to children's every year for a long or short-term hospital stay. And so the hospital's responsibility is to care for those kids. But then after, you know, anybody who comes with the kids, the family, they're kind of there. And Vivian's Victory is able to be present for them. And what's so unique about what we're doing is we're not specific to a disease or demographic. So we throw a much broader net than other organizations are able to do. Um, so with medical technology growing and expanding the way it is, you know, we're, we're able to really be present for families that don't qualify for services from other organizations because they don't fall into the characteristics of who they're serving. Right. So it's, it's a really, um, you know, it's a niche that we found that I believe is going to grow because kids aren't just going to be diagnosed with leukemia or, right. you know, you know, or they're not just going to have, um, you know, a heart defect, you know, there's so many more things involved, um, in, in people's health history now that, um, you know, we're going to have to kind of move towards more our model where, you know, you're going to be able to receive assistance and support regardless of your child's diagnosis. We're here for you. Right. So I have to throw at you my favorite question yeah. <laughs> because I love these, I love the answers so much. So if you could meet anyone dead or alive to help you with your journey, who would it be? Uh, Mother Teresa. <laughs> oh, that's who I said. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? Yes, that's my answer. Yes. Mother Teresa is like, I'm obsessed with that woman. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, we, I, yeah, I, I actually was just listening to um, a talk the other day, and um, I'm going to cry talking about this, but the speaker was talking about how she would go and just pick people up out of the gutter. Oh my gosh, yes. And I think about that all the time because I think, you know, sometimes um, we get so obsessed with doing something good that we overlook the people that need it the most that are so close to us. Um, and that's, that's how I feel. I feel like so many times that we're able to pick people out of the gutter. Like we're working with the marginalized group of people that nobody's identifying and we're able to pick these people out of the gutter and just let them know that 
they're not alone that we're here for you. And that just, it's such an honor, but it's, it's hard. It's tough. And it's overwhelming. I just think, gosh, she, she went through so much and took no nonsense from anybody, but everybody still knew that they were loved by her. (laughs) I think I just, I would love to be more like her. (laughs) I, I, I get it on so many levels. And I've said, I swear though, those, those exact same words that just came out of your mouth (laughs) that she was not afraid to go into the trenches and, you know, hold those babies that had leprosy or touch yeah. those people or take them by the hand and just let them know they were loved and yeah. let them know, and I'm going to get choked up and just let them know that, that they, they mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just so powerful. And I try to emulate her. Obviously I'm no mother Teresa. <laughs> right. I know. Like, gosh, <laughs> but yeah, to emulate just the fact that she does, you know, I, I say a lot that I went through horrific darkness, came, you know, made my way into the light, but I, I like to reach my hand back into the darkness mm-hmm. and just, you know, tell people you can do this. Come on, yeah. come on, you've got this. And, um, yeah, and I think she did that a lot. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I just think, you know, every person that met her said that you, you felt like you were the only person that mattered when you were talking with her. And that's so important. We don't do that. People don't do that. There's so many distractions in our world that it's just like, gosh, to be able to allow people to, to leave. I hope everybody leaves me feeling like they were the only person that mattered to me at that moment. I know that doesn't happen, (laughs) but it is definitely a huge aspiration to be. Well, I mean, I can honestly say, you know, when I met you, I was just very drawn to you. And I think you have that essence about you is that you do, um, you know, you honor others, you value um, their story and what they have to say, because, um, yeah, it, I, you give off that energy. So. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's very, very important to me that people know that I, I do. It is. It is very, yeah, very important to me. Well. I picked it up. So there you go. It's oh, well, so funny that we both said Mother Teresa. That's, and I know. And I've had, I mean, I've had just such amazing, awesome answers. You know, I've, this, I think your podcast, like number 68, maybe. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who've been on here and talked about it. And um, I, I want to say maybe, maybe one other person has said Mother Teresa, or you might be the first one. <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy. Well, yeah. Yeah, there's been some Oprahs and some, you know, some Jesus and (laughs) so, yeah. All right. Um, Anything else that you want to address or talk about before we close out? Um, You know, we are at Vivian Century. We're going to be starting a podcast here in the next couple of weeks um, to continue to just do a lot. What you're doing, Terry, is to provide support and encouragement for people um, kind of where they're at and um, we'll have more information about that on our website when it starts. So if anybody's interested um, in, in following us along in this journey, please feel free to, you know, check out our website, viviansvictory.org. Um, there's an opportunity. If it's your first time visiting the website, you can sign up for a newsletter. Um, and, you know, we'd love to have you on this journey with us as we work to support people um, through their grief and, through just the roller coaster of having a a chronically ill child. And um, I really appreciate you 
you invited me to come chat with you today and share some of our story and be a part of this. Yeah. And I'll share away. Or do you have a Facebook page or? Oh yeah. Yeah. We got a Facebook page, Vivian's Victory. Um, and then we're on Instagram and Twitter too. Okay. And all of our handles are the same, Vivian's Victory. So. Great. Well, I'll be sure to follow if I haven't already um, all of those. And then when um, I put the podcast out and when the podcast, your podcast comes up, I'll, I'll throw a little uh, promotion out there for you guys because again I think the work you're doing is just absolutely beautiful um, and yeah and I thank you I thank you for turning your heartache into um, you know a light of hope for others oh well thank you it's it's a grace and a gift and we're thankful to to be here so yeah. well, and thank you for all you're doing to bring light of to bring light to so many people and this hope to so many people and it's just so important and so needed we just live in such a broken world that being able to share hope with people is just it's so needed and um so thank you for following oh thank that you intuition that you had thanks so very much thank you all right i'll do a quick little close out and we'll be done and sammy okay. sammy's popping up to say hi <laughs> she just goes swirl around and lay back down i love it that's super <laughs> yep there it goes <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us here today, everyone. And until next time, remember, be gentle with yourselves. Thanks. Bye-bye.